Hi and welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode coming up of the one-to-one podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. My name is Josh making the introduction. We're so excited to add this new episode to the team. This is brought to you by the Holy Ruckus Podcast Network and World Villages for Children. Welcome to the One to One podcast with our priest on a mission, Father Dan Leary. I'm your co-host, Kevin Wells. The name of One to One comes from the words of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, who once said, when you're confronted with a child who is sick, you cannot be indifferent. You have to help this individual on a one to one, person to person basis. So the name of One to One pays tribute to the remarkable life of Father Al while honoring is tens of thousands of spiritual children. Father Dan, welcome to the Hello. kickoff of One to One. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be with you. Uh, it's awesome to have you. You know, a lot of folks have been searching uh, the Wheat and Silver Spring area, looking for you in the confessional box. They haven't found you. I, they don't know where you are. Where, where you been? <laughs> I'm actually in the confessional box in 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 Chalco, Mexico, right now. I um, I'm working my way through the school. They haven't had a priest here in a while because of the COVID. So one group of girls graduated, and now I'm work- working my way through the older kids to the younger kids. So uh, I've gotten through the oldest kids, about 500 of them. And then the next class is now about 600, 700. And now I have First Communion on Saturday, the Feast of Our Lady Assumption, and that's 300. And so the little ones, I call them little ones, they're 12, 13, 14, some 15 who have been baptized here, and um, they're making their first com- communion on Saturday. So they're uh, super, super prepared for their first communions. And, um, and they're also ready. They're doing great for their first confessions. It's amazing. So tell the folks if they want to come to confession, they can drive to Chalco, Mexico. <laughs> uh, yeah, Father, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them the GPS it. So let, let's let's backtrack here for a minute. You're talking like a missionary priest. It sounds like, you know, you've been you've been down there for over a month now. It sounds like just we'll zero in on confessions. You, you've heard literally many hundreds of children's confessions, and they're always lined up every day. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. What's actually happening, Kevin, is. Um, as I make my way through and offer other spiritual opportunities for the kids, especially the older kids, I've started offering an optional hour of whole of confessions in the morning for the older girls. I'm in girls town right now. So what's happening 730 to 830 in the morning while they're at breakfast and before their first class, um, I'm in the confessional when they're, they're building their chapel and the girls are starting to come. It's always full. And what I'm seeing is there's, a deeper awareness of the mercy of God actually taking place in the girls. You know how it is. When you're a kid, you you have to go to confession. But when you start going on your own, that's when the ball game changes and you really start to experience grace and joy and you start digging deeper into the struggles and the wounds. So generally speaking, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the older girls taking ownership of their faith in a very beautiful way. So 
so you you obviously, Father, need to remain general whenever we talk about confession. But but is sort of the uh, what you're hearing of what you've been listening to as far as what the girls are sharing with you. I imagine in a certain sense, what you're hearing is weightier and maybe more staggering than you might hear oftentimes in America. What what's what's happened? I've offered these masses with healing prayers, and what's going on is um, these kids having come from intense poverty. Um, many of them are broken homes, which generally speaking can expose them to all kinds of trouble and pain and suffering. Um, they're coming in to use the examination of conscience that the sisters have, and it's like a doozy. You should see this dog. It's like eight to 10 pages. I love it. And so the girls are using that as their examination but then, um, you know, generally speaking, they're allowed to kind of open up their heart to something that's deep within their heart. And um, I have to say, in this month, I feel like it's like one month in Chalco is like a dog year. Really, like, <laughs> what? seriously, it's like seven years of priesthood. It's great. It's beautiful. It's intense. The girls are starting to have a certain sense of comfort and confidence. And they're starting to bring their buddies. And their buddies that were kind of on the, you know, they got that little rebel spirit and I'll go to confession if I want. There's there's few of them, but they're there. They're starting to bring me, you know, those ones. And once that starts happening, then I start to see a conversion in the girls and just freedom. And um, even started offering um, an, an optional daily mass for 30 minutes. I can't do it every day. But the, the mother superior, I told her about the idea. She said, let's do it. So yesterday I had an optional mass for the older girls and the chapel for the later mass was packed. So that's probably a, probably about 180 girls. And then um, the, the earlier one was probably about uh, 70. The point is they're starting to take ownership of the faith and now they're starting to ask me to do things. Will you do more retreats? Will you do a retreat? I mean, it's in, whatever. It's incredible. Well, that's tremendous. It sounds like what you're doing with that optional mass is you're inviting sort of the saints to come in. This is when you sort of say, hey, these guys want to go deeper and stronger. They don't have yeah. to go to mass, but I'm throwing it open. And you're seeing the folks come in. Yeah, it's actually during their free time. So the girls could be out, be, out, out running. Now, look, man, I told them yesterday, it was like, <clears throat> I said, you're welcome. And they started saying, huh? And I said, yeah, because now you don't have to run. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's that's great. Now, now, so Father, when you were 14 or 15 years old and you had free time, were you also going to the daily mass? No, Kevin, I wasn't. Why'd you have to ask me that question on this podcast? <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Here's here's what I really want to to center this this first podcast on. Uh, we we got to get to to Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, who's on the path to sainthood. Um, he's from Washington D.C., born and raised. Um, became a missionary priest and literally changed the course of the world. And, and I think a lot of people would argue that he built the largest non-governmentally funded sort of empire for the poor in the history of the world. And, and that's where you are right now. You're in one of these, let's so-called kingdoms, humble kingdoms that Father Al established. And where I want to sort of go now is as as Chalco's or as the Sisters of Mary new chaplain, um, Father Al 
uh, he had a lot of heroes. He had the Carmelite sisters, you know, Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Lisieux, that he really was drawn to, St. John of the Cross. He was drawn to God in a very sort of uncommon way. He had a, he had a zeal for God early on in his life, and he really picked up a hero when he was in seminary in Belgium with this Vincent Liby. Um, and, and what happened was he kept going back to this tiny, forgotten podunk town in Belgium called Beno. And it was there. Um, he would take a train. He'd hop on a train when he got tired of seminary life. And he'd, he'd head east about an hour and a half out, you know, heading towards Germany. And he would, he would get off. And he'd walk the rest of the way to this apparition site of Beno. And, and in looking into it, I was like, well, you know, what led Father out of Beno? And, and it's remarkable what happened. So, so Father, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going I'm to bring up just, a, just a, a few facts for the listeners about Beno. And I'm going to ask you a few questions about what Mary had shared to a poor little 12-year-old girl, Mariette Becco, um, who, who really, whose family was not attending Sunday Mass. You know, her dad, her dad was sort of a a hard luck wire maker who kept getting fired from his jobs. They lived off the land, um, and and he just wasn't taking his kids to mass. He had a, he ended up having eleven children, so it was a happy family, but they weren't being touched sacramentally. Anyway, she's looking outside her back window one day, in the middle of the winter, looking for a little brother who's late coming home, and who appears. But I think Mar- I think Mariette called a um, she saw a great ball of fire or something that looked like a, 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 a glow. And thereafter, Mary appeared to her eight times. And uh, I want to center on just maybe two or three of the apparitions. The second apparition, I think, um, really touched Father Al maybe the most of, of any of the other eight. And what had happened was Mary, Our Lady, had sort of encouraged Mariette to come out of the house. And it was frigid. I mean, it was below freezing temperature. It was just, it, it was snow on the ground, very, very windy. And Mary said, come on out, Mariette, you got to come out. So she comes out and leads her to this hidden brook, sort of this hidden spring. And Mary says, uh, place your hands into the water. And, and uh, Mariette, you know, knelt down and did so. And I think what happened there was Mary was trying to introduce this this poor little girl to, I think, mortification, the need for mortifications and penances. And and I think Father Al saw quite a bit in in that act by Mary. So how how do you read that? Why do you think that Father Al was so touched by that act? Well, I I think what Father Al is trying to form in the girls and the sisters are saints. I mean, going through the seminary when he did and recognizing the challenge that was taking place in Belgium during his formation. I can only under, only think that it was Our Lady that preserved him from questioning the role of the saints, the role of Our Lady in his own life. Um, so I think for Father Al, what he understood really in a simple line was, we believe in Jesus, we love Jesus, therefore we do what Jesus did. And he would read the scriptures, Father Al, and we'd look at how Jesus had sacrificed and he would come back to the concept of sacrifice consistently in a lot of his writings. And in that is where he was probably drawn to the idea of the of the cold water and the sacrifice. In other words, there's conversions, there's graces by gaining strength in one's own spiritual life. But through that is sacrificial love. Ah, that That's beautiful. Very humbly stated. Very beautiful. He um, it, it that the third apparition. 
uh, after Mariette sort of froze her hands in that in that brook, um, Mary appeared the third time and she introduced herself for the first time really in the history of Marian apparitions. She sort of identified herself as a champion for the poor. She said, I am the virgin of the poor. What do you think she meant by that? Well, I think what Our Lady is also um, in that encounter, at least the way I read Father Al's writings, is there was um, a certain joy that was that Mary had in this apparition. And he emphasized greatly to the sisters and to the children um, the smiling aspect of Our Lady in that apparition. Um, and so, you know, that there's joy in these experiences, but also recognizing that she is the virgin of the poor. And that virginity, which would go hand in hand with Father Al's emphasis on chastity, and then subsequently recognizing the call to found two communities, the brothers and the sisters. But secondly, also to recognize that there is a great dignity in the poor. So I think in that combination, it was joy in, in Our Lady's smile, but also her mission, which was she is a virgin of the poor, chaste, and she loves the poor. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, Father Dan, I, I know you see it every day. I was down there in May, and, you know, you look around, you see Sister Hortensia, Sister Margie, Sister Marine, you know, Sister Marilyn, and, and, and they're working their tails off. I mean, it's just, it's just a sweat equity grind all day long, but they're always smiling. I mean, do you, do you notice the same thing down there? Yeah, there's, look, I, I mean, if you think about it, there's, there's 50 of us and there's 3,200 of them. Okay. So maybe you just have to smile because you, you realize that this train could go off the tracks any second. <laughs> right. Right. And it never does. It, it right. Never, no, it just, it, it just works. And so there's a certain joy in that, but then the sisters are forming the older girls to, to learn also the joy and the experience. You know, it's a delicate balance because the girls come in and they're formed or the boys come in and, and, you know, they go through this program and it's basically a bubble, which is a blessing, a real spiritual bubble. But then at the same time, there's the reality of returning home to their families. And that can also be a challenge. So I think the emphasis is embrace the moment, grow now, experience the, the virtue of joy in your life, which you may have experienced or may not have experienced prior to the sisters. And I think that's what the sisters are offering the girls. I mean, they're teenagers, so they go up and down. Okay, so it's normal. But inherently at the heart of all of it is, is a blessing. Right. You know, you said something there that when the kids go back to their villages or towns that really, let's face it, they're, they, they, they enter into very stark conditions, very, a lot of poverty. And, 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 they, and right away, you know, when they come back from 11 months of just a saturation of graces, you know, a lot of them are mocked or they're induced to, to, to enter into sin. And, and in a, in a, in a, I guess, ironic way, Mariette, when she started to go around Beno and tell people that she had seen Mary, well, no one believed her. Uh, one kid, I think, hit her in the face and another one, a, a bunch of kids started calling Bernadette, Bernadette after, her, you know, the apparition at Lourdes. And she was just sort of shunned. Uh, and it and it took a while for her to sort of wrap her heads around, you know what? The, they don't believe me. And I, I think you might be uh, sort of privy to some of that with these kids that have to return home, whether it's 
Christmas break or summer break, and they have to deal with a lot of um, obstacles. Well, yeah, I mean, at the very, I mean, let's face it, these these boys and girls, when they graduate, they really go home as accomplished young people. They have spiritual formation. They're, they're encouraged to catechize their families, um, their parents. Maybe their parents are not um, faith-filled. They're living sacramental life, and they're encouraged to teach them and in, invite them. Um, so when they go home, there are great obstacles. They go home. They go home with a real toolbox of graces and opportunities. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's the reality of their youth. But there is within them this capacity to return always to Christ under Our Lady, um, and to find the experience of the freedom that they have as as children of sisters of Mary and Father Al. Sure, sure. I, um, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, at, at two or three of the apparitions towards the end, the plea that Mary kept repeating to Mariette is, I think, a plea that she's repeated down the ages. And she kept saying, pray, pray very much. Mm-hmm. You must pray. And, and obviously we know um, that Mary will never stop that plea. So, so what do you, what can you share with this just on the need for devoted prayer in the life of a Christian? Well, I think now more than ever, you see its essential reality is that prayer is now more of a choice. And in some respects, it's an uphill battle. Um, you know, the battle of, you know, fighting against the culture, fighting against the sadness of COVID, especially now, fighting, overcoming the doubt that goes with this experience of where is God? So. I think it's it's a greater need and a greater challenge for us to pray. Um, and I do recognize like that there can be times when we can get discouraged and wonder, God, are you listening? But at the same time, there is this inherent freedom that Lord, the Lord gives in prayer to trust in his time, all things will work out. And in a certain sense, I see that a lot with the children who recognize that their families are struggling. They recognize that their pam- their families really have some financial worries. Uh, their, far- their parents are farmers or what have you. And uh, the girls worry. And I would often say before a mass to the, to the acolytes, to the servers, what do you want to pray for? And, you know, it's the souls in purgatory, for the sick, for the dying. I mean, all these really beautiful things. But as they've gotten to know me, they start to say, you know, for my father. Um, who doesn't have a job, all right? And, um, you know, communication is scarce now because, you know, there's no real mail going out and back and forth in Mexico. So there's this, the, the people are sending in their letters, scanned letters to, this, to the office here, and then they're being printed out and given to the girls. It's quite beautiful. Like the sisters are accommodating to the best of their ability, the communication with the families. And I think a lot of the girls are hearing that things are pretty tough. So it can be a little scary, I imagine, for a teenager to realize the families are struggling. Sure, of course, of course it is. You know, you got you got uh, 3,300 Marriott Beckos down there in Chalco. You know, her dad was unemployed; he was angry. And after the apparition, she started to pray for him um, pretty relentlessly, and he was converted. But um, but at but at that point, she didn't know what would happen with her dad, and he became a solid you know, faithful Catholic, a good dad, good husband after that. Um, so really what you're doing, Father Dan, it sounds like down there is through prayer, uh, you're encouraging 
these 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 3,300, 3,200 girls, age 12 to 18, hey, look, you know, you've got to surrender your worries. You've got to surrender the unknown to God now. You've got to give it to God and just and know that he knows every hair on your head and, and he's going to take care of you. Yeah. I mean, I just say to him a lot, like, you know, my mom was sick in college. I couldn't, in the seminary, I couldn't buy locate. And I try to be very practical with the girls. And I say, look, you can't buy locate. You got to make a choice. And if you're going to be here, you got to be here fully because that's the best thing you can do. Don't feel guilt. Feel like God reminds you that you've been chosen by God to be here. And then what can happen is that you go home and then you're better and ready to take care of them. But you can't be two places at once. And that means you visit the chapel every day and pray for your families. Yeah, yeah, you can't be two places at once. And Father Dan, I hope you never end up bilocating. So just, just, <laughs> just, 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 just stay yourself. So, so, so anyway, yeah. listen. The reason, the reason I'm talking, you can't respond to that. So the reason yeah. I'm bringing up the version of the poor and the apparitions is because really this all leads to, I think, something beautiful that you're doing right now. So you're just wrapping up, or actually, you're in the middle. No, really, you just wrapped up this nine-day novena um, that I think is beautiful. Um, uh, novena to the Assumption of Mary. And and today starts August 15th, a new society that we're going to call World Villages for Children is calling the Virgin of the Poor Society. Uh, I don't know if you can share with listeners uh, what exactly the Virgin of the Poor Society is. I, I can tell them where to get more information, but would you mind briefly just describing it? Yeah, the sisters had it in their hearts to try to develop, a, I guess, a version of the poor society, which would be, had some dimensions to it. First, a little bit to find out more about the life of Father Al, a priest who's on the process of canonization. Secondly, it has the reality of just the work of the sisters and the joy that's accomplished. You know, it's a goldmine of opportunity for people to experience change in the life of a child and, in effect, a family. And so it's more about, wow, the work of the sisters. Thirdly, it has a practical reality to it in the fact that um, I think having been in the diocese in the United States for you know, my whole life, I recognize that there's really a call for simplicity. And um, through the Virgin of the Poor Society, one of the things I'm going to try to do is help people identify how to live a joyful, simple life, which I've often spoke about a lot of my priesthood, but I think I can do it a little bit more effectively uh, using the writings of Father Al. And then and then finally, it's it's going to be an opportunity for people to send in their prayer petitions. The sisters throughout the world have said, you know, let's receive these prayers and then in a way put them before the before Father Al. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to develop um, an, a way for people to also send their prayers so that the, the girls, boys and the sisters and myself can offer these prayers before the Blessed Sacrament and Our Lady Virgin of the Poor. No, oh, that's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful because, you know, obviously prayers are being listened to by 370, 380 sisters throughout the world, Korea, Philippines, Africa, Honduras, Brazil, all over Mexico. And and um, if you'd like, you know, really, if you'd like to to submit prayers and know for a fact, know that you have Father Dan offering masses uh, and sisters praying for you. Um, just what you can do is you can go to worldvillages.org, worldvillages.org, and you'll see a link that takes you to the version of the Poor Society where you can submit your prayer request. You can do it as many times as you'd like. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're always, always open for you over there at worldvillages.org. 
So, so Father, I um, will we'll end on that note. Um, I, you know, it, it's it's kind of an easy question to ask, but you are now a missionary priest. Um, the previous 21, 22 years of your life, you were a diocesan priest, a parish priest. Um, uh, just give me one way, one way that, or actually, let me, let me ask it this way. What has been the biggest surprise to you? Because I know you anticipated maybe what missionary life would entail, but what's been one big surprise for you as you entered into Chalco? Well, it's pretty, it's one word. I'm even, I, I thought I was pretty efficient in what I did as a parish priest. Man, I, I got to tell you, I, I spend most of my time just spiritually taking care of the sisters and the girls right now. I mean, eventually I'm going to Boys Town in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, you know, I pop out of the chapel hearing confessions. And then there's a kid that would say, hey, Father, can I talk? And we'll go for a walk, you know, to my next appointment. Well, I've taken many walking confessions because um, I keep a stole in my pocket. So um, I think it's just recognizing, you know, the the way that I've been much more effective in uh, serving the children. You know, many times we were having adoration in the gymnasium for the girls, and then the sisters were having private adoration in the opposite end of the campus in quiet. So I would do benediction, offer benediction at 1145 in the morning for a gymnasium of a couple hundred girls. And then later that afternoon, the sisters were having private adoration individually. And so I would offer a benediction there for the whole community. And it's just, it's really quite beautiful. It's oh, you quite told beautiful. me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just a radical place of grace down there in Chaco, Guadalajara, et cetera. Right. It's just so much prayer, so much sacraments. And, and thank goodness they have you. Uh, to lead them really right now as chaplain, because I, you know, I'll just say that I think they've been they've been um, eagerly awaiting a priest to help lead them even deeper, and it sounds like you're doing that. So what we'll do, Father Dan, is we'll wrap up now, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, two things: one, can we catch back up with you in two weeks? Yeah, sure, that's fine. All right. Very good. So you sound very enthusiastic, Father. <laughs> you, you, well, you know, I really love uh, podcasts. This is my first podcast, so like, I'm a real uh, techie guy. Okay, Father. Father, it's not a great joy doing with you either, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So, Father, do, just do us a favor. Put on your uh, put on your stole or put on your holy uh, your holy ways. And could you lead us out in prayer? Yeah. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord let His face shine upon you. May the Lord give you His peace. And may the Holy Spirit give you strength in all you do. And through Our Lady Virgin and the poor Saint Joseph, and through the intercession of Venerable Al Schwartz, may Almighty God bless you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. See you next time. God bless you. Bye. You've been listening to the One to One podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. If you want to learn more about the founder, Father Al, or how to support Father Dan's mission and the Sisters of Mary's mission, head on over to worldvillages.org. And to follow more podcast episodes, go ahead and subscribe, like, share this podcast so more people can find out about the goodness coming out of these awesome conversations. For more podcasts and podcasts just like it, head on over to holyruckus.com. Thanks so much.